And now, from the Room 111 Studios, it's the Retired Teacher Coach Podcast with James Sternovan. Well, hey there, listener, and welcome back to the Retired Teacher Coach Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And the title of this podcast sums it up perfectly. My sleep sucks. <laughs> now, does your sleep suck? I'll wager that if you read the title and decided to listen, it probably does. As I recount in this episode, a good night's sleep is like the fountain of youth. And unlike diet or exercise, there is scientific consensus on sleep's importance and many things one can do to improve it. I'll talk about solutions in the What You Can Do About It section. In the meantime, I'm going to interview a friend. Mark Barnes is a contemporary. We've created a little health-based <laughs> professional learning community with only two members, Mark and me. <laughs> One topic that we delve into frequently is sleep. We're fellow travelers in regard to desiring more and better sleep. We talk about our frustrations and efforts to improve in this episode. This topic is wonderful for a retired educator. I'm frequently asked how I like retirement by former colleagues who are still teaching. I often respond that I now love Sunday nights. The implication is that I no longer have an alarm clock, so I can sleep in as late as I want. If only that were the reality. <laughs> the truth is I'm, I'm not satisfied with my sleep, and trying to improve it is an ongoing process. I think you're going to love my conversation with Mark about our elusive quest for consistent sleep. I wouldn't be at all surprised if you reach out and say, I'm dealing with the same issues. Enjoy our insomnia-induced crab fest, and I'll check back with you in the What You Can Do About It section with solutions. I help retired educators make awesome health and lifestyle choices. My name is James Sturdivant. I taught high school for 34 years. I'm over 60, I'm in great shape, and I feel fantastic. I would love for you to take my coaching on a free 21-day test drive. Just navigate over to the retiredteachercoach.com and sign up. It's time for you to reclaim your vitality. So here we are in the Room 111 studios, and I'm here with a friend. His name is Mark Barnes. Uh, say hello, Mark Barnes. Hey, Jim. Good to be here with you, man. I wasn't sure how you were going to respond to that. <laughs> now, I, I'm going to set him up here with, with, with some with some thoughts. I, I, I'm not sure how he's going to respond. But I have my guesses, but we're going to go with it. I live in suburban Columbus, Ohio. Mark Barnes, where do you live? Well, I live in Northeast Ohio, not far from you, in the Cleveland area, Highland Heights, just outside of downtown Cleveland. Okay, so you're two hours north, northeast of me, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm looking at my little icon on the bottom of my computer screen. It says 47 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's similar here, I think. <laughs> little little less. I think we're down in the low 40s, but no clouds. Beautiful. So you can you can back me up on this. December 14th in the Buckeye State, to have a day like today is like Christmas come early. Well, for sure. Yeah, we don't we don't get this very much, Jim. I mean, we're we're celebrating 47 degrees and sunny. I mean, a lot of people in other parts of the world be like, "Oh, wow." So we have low I expectations. Golf course. I, I could probably be golfing right now. <laughs> well, there's some interesting things going on besides the weather in our neck of the woods. Now, I know Mark Barnes, and I know he enjoys sports like I do. And we have this ridiculous AFC North, like, free-for-all going on where neither the Browns 
the Bengals, the Steelers, or the Ravens seem to have any interest in being division champs. Well, yeah, that, that is certainly how it seems. Yeah, I'll tell you, the Browns just came off of a really great win over Baltimore, and uh, my wife was downstairs, and she came up and said she doesn't really watch football, and she said, how did, how did it turn out? And I said, well, they tried everything possible to lose. <laughs> just, and that seems to be the theme. All those teams, they keep trying to lose. Oh, it's but anyway, crazy. Yeah. It, it's it's a, fun, though. It's a it's fascinating fun. drama. Yeah, for sure. Incredibly frustrating drama. (laughs) So Mark and I go back a little ways, and and that's going to start to come out uh, as we continue to talk, but I'm going to set him up right now with a question that's going to make him incredibly uncomfortable. And and this question is, how would you describe yourself, Mark Barnes, on a dating app? (laughs) Do I have to have a picture with it? (laughs) I mean, the other way, because old gray-headed white guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> hey, they'll be lined uh, up you know, down the street. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, though, I, I think I would say, you know, pretty uh, young for feeling for my age. Heck yeah. Uh, you know, fit, um, you know, healthy. I know there's a – I've heard that people lie a lot about on those oh, things. Shit. about about how they look and all that in their age. But no, I mean, I would say, hey, I'm almost 58 years old and uh, I feel like I'm in my 30s. Uh-huh. And, you know, I work from home and I got to, you know, it's a good life. Very good, man. Uh, you know, you and I have have a connection that goes back a ways. Mm-hmm. So explain that. Well, I think you and I met on the Voxer app. We did. Uh, Man, that's a long time ago. But it uh, wasn't—it wasn't a dating app. <laughs> no, not a dating app. Right, we'll clarify for your listeners. Um, but no, actually, in education, both with education backgrounds, and we had uh, gotten into—we uh, had both been guests on a podcast, and the podcaster had a group where they continued those conversations, and you know, we just got—we got to talking through there, and uh, not so long after that, you and your bride came up to Cleveland, and we met for dinner, and. That was great. And mm-hmm. then, of course, I run a publishing company, and you've got so many cool ideas. I said, hey, Jim, why not write a book? And, you know, that led to one published book and a second published book and a third published book. And, you know, we're just taking it from there. But, you know, it's funny because uh, Mark's one of my best friends, and we hardly ever see each other. But, <laughs> but we talk every day. Mm-hmm. And That's we... the beauty. Yeah, that's the beauty of Voxer again, you <laughs> yeah. know. If it isn't on the phone or on, a, yeah. you know, a video call or whatever, it's just going back and forth on the Voxer app. And we don't talk about education much. <laughs> oh, no, no. We, we find plenty to talk about, as I'm sure your listeners can, are getting now. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's important for you to uh, establish your background as an educator. Talk about your, your teaching background. Oh yeah, I mean, I, you know, I um, I taught in the classroom for about twenty three years. That's a lot. And uh, yeah, I did. Um, you know, mostly junior high, seventh and eighth grade, a couple years in high school. Uh, I've done some adjunct work, as I know you have, through uh-huh. a local college. Uh, so you know, I've been edu- in education a very long time. But believe it or not, Jim. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that I am now out of the classroom nine years. And, and that's just so hard for me to believe sometimes. Um, but, you know, I, I left nine years ago to uh, get into the entrepreneur world and, and was writing and, and then started a publishing company, still in education. So I, I always tell people I, I still feel like a teacher because my work is still in education. 23 years is a long time to be a teacher, Mr. Barnes. You, you, well, can, it is. you can absolutely claim that. and It's not as long as you. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I mean, it like, it, it's not nothing. Pardon the double negative. No, and, and, no I agree. And so that had to be, so how old are you now? I'm, I'm a few months shy of 58. Okay, so nine years ago, roughly 50, 48, 49 yeah, years old right. when you stopped. Yep. And the audience for this podcast are, are people who are in this transition, who have gone or have gone through this transition. Mm-hmm. That that had to be an interesting transition. 
Well, it was, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would imagine a lot of your listeners, maybe they've taught longer, maybe they went 30, 35 years, and they just did the old traditional retirement, which is great. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I'm sure still a very difficult transition. For me, it, it was, um, I just felt like I was ready for the next step, which wasn't traditional retirement, but was sort of moving on in education. I, I wanted to be more of a teacher teacher, you know, mm-hmm. and get out and and speak to educators about my experience and write some books. And, and then of course now, you know, that's, that's led to starting a publishing company and working with people like you to, you know, help amplify their voices in books. So it's been a a great journey, but it was tough leaving the classroom. Okay. Okay. I love that. What do you miss? I miss the kids. I mean, that's just, you know, that's the easiest thing for me. Uh, You know, colleagues were great. We had a lot of camaraderie, and, and I, I worked with some wonderful people, and uh, that was always fun and bouncing ideas off each other, but the kids are great to me, you know, and, and I, I went through all of it from the beginning of my career to small classes to most of my students came from very stable homes with two parents to later on in my career, a much different kind of kid who, who a, a lot of kids with troubled backgrounds from single-parent homes um, you know, and and they they brought different challenges. Yeah, that but had was, to, you know, that fun. had that had to be draining at times. Well, it, it is. I I came home exhausted from yeah. work. Uh-huh. You know, I had when I ended the last time I taught, I was in, I was teaching five sections of seventh and eighth grade, and uh, you know, I had an average class size of thirty to thirty five kids. Wow. And, you know, that's a pretty chaotic environment. Yes. And we, I liked a little bit of chaos, you know, so we worked, we did a lot of group work and there was a lot of movement and hustle and bustle in the class. Um, but, you know, you, that's work, you know, you're bouncing around, you're, you're integrating with kids, you're sitting in other groups, you're jumping up and going to another group, helping kids, constantly answering questions. You're on the move. And, and when you get home, you're tired, but it, it's, I'll tell you, they, they were marvelous kids, and I, I miss them. I do. It's a great age. Uh, teaching 35 monks in a monastery <laughs> would be challenging. Right. <laughs> teaching 35 high-maintenance 13-year-olds would be oh, yeah. Herculean. <laughs> high-maintenance is a good way to put it. I think, I think all most kids are high-maintenance. But, That's for sure. But you know what? It's an age, too. It's a, it's, it's kind of a coming-of-age time, and it, it's really exciting. Those kids are, are going through a lot, and they've got their own challenges just with adolescence and, you know, life, and uh, they're, they're curious. And I, I really I like that age. I, I left middle school – after about uh, 10 years of teaching, and I taught at the high school in 10th grade for a couple of years. And then as soon as a job came open at the middle school, I asked to go back. And my high school colleagues thought I was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> They said, man, that's a tough grade. You know, that's a tough age. But I'll tell you, I just, um, that was my age. I love them. My wife was a middle school principal. She used to come home with some stories. <laughs> oh, I bet. And then she'd talk about the kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sir. I always want to identify a problem. In other words, what's the point of this episode? Sure. Now, Mark Barnes and I, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about aging. We talk about health. We talk about diet. We talk about exercise. But one thing we talk about a lot is sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, you have been prompted to take action when it comes to your sleep. But let's yeah. go back to the problem itself. What was your issue with sleep? Yeah, well, Jim, I, I, I'll tell you, on my, on my physician's chart, uh, I, they, they identify sleep as a problem. I am labeled as an insomniac on my, my uh, medical chart. And for many years, uh, you know, any, every year I had a physical I talked constantly about sleep being an issue that I would, you know, I, I didn't have steady sleep. And I'll tell you, the other thing is I, you know, I have epilepsy and, uh, you know, one of the things for epileptics is sleep is very important. So, you know, my doctor was always concerned about that. And, you know, and my, my epilepsy is completely controlled with medication, thankfully, but still she would always emphasize sleep. You need to get your, 
you know, seven, eight hours of sleep every night. I said, boy, I, I never got that. I would wake up. Uh, I tossed and turned. Things raced through my mind. It was hard for me to go back to sleep. And then I, you know, I tried a lot of those things like, you know, they say that you should do at night and turn off your screens and whatever. None of that stuff really worked for me. So it was an ongoing problem for a lot of years. So has it gotten worse with age? Well, it got worse with age. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, and so I'm sure we're going to talk about the solution <laughs> in a minute, so I, I, I won't spoil it, but, um, it did get worse with age, you know? And, and I think, you know, a lot of things tend to get worse with age no until kidding. we deal with them, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was, you know, I would say when I, I was never a great sleeper and, and in my twenties, thirties and forties, um, you know, as I just described, I was sort of a, a toss and turn guy. I would maybe sometimes get five hours of sleep and just give up and get out of bed sometimes less. And as I, as I got older, that even seemed to get worse. There were times I'd wake up at two in the morning and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can't, yeah. I can't sleep anymore. So yeah, it definitely gets worse with age. So I'm going to back you up here. We're very similar in this. I've never been a great sleeper. I mean, even as a child, if something exciting like Christmas morning or a, a sporting event or mm -hmm. just I found out a girl had a crush on me, just anything like that. I mean, like, I'd be kind of amped up and had a hard time sleeping. Okay, that's when I was a kid. But then as I have aged, boy, it doesn't take much, you know, to, to get that mind rolling, man. And then all of a sudden you're laying there at 2 in the morning and you're like, wow, I'm awake. So it has gotten worse with age. But I'm going to say something, and I'm going to wager that you're going to say, yeah, I feel the same. <laughs> when I do have that wonderful night of sleep. I feel so good the next morning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, there's, there's no, we're not going to get an argument here. I mean, uh, I mean, I just feel it's like, invigorating to sleep well. I just, I mean, I look at myself in the mirror. I look different. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I, when, when I don't have a good night's sleep, this is a great word that I heard somebody use. I'm not sure who I can't credit them, but they say they feel jangly. Mm -hmm. that, that's a really that, it doesn't mean anything but it it but it does but it <laughs> does right. when I mean, you, don't sleep well, you, you can't define it but there's just something about like this buzzing feel that you have in your head that doesn't feel natural that you're you're shorter with people that you're you know all those things mood's so, a big one. Your, your mood is off when you don't sleep well and uh you know i find i'm 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 quick to temper, you know, and I'm, you know, so if I snap at one of my kids or my wife or, you know, whatever, I, I think, oh, man, you, you didn't get enough sleep. And your concentration's off, too. It's hard to work. Okay, now here's the other thing about sleep. Let's say that you have a physical objective. Let's say you want to run a marathon. You want to bench press a certain amount of weight. You want to climb Mount Everest, whatever. There's a lot of effort involved in most physical challenges. In other words, you need to apply yourself. Yeah, for sure. This is one where that just messes me up. <laughs> in other words, the more focus I put on it, the worse it gets. It's not like you can lay there in bed and close your eyes tighter. No. <laughs> and no, say okay strategies that you know we can get into for I'm, when that happens i'm almost there i just need to work a little harder and i'll be sound asleep that's just <laughs> that, that that just doesn't work no. when you come sleep you almost have to take a dallas to approach. Oh, okay so I, I think we i think we've defined the problem yeah and, and i'll bet you that there's a lot of people in the audience that are nodding their heads right now because this is a common problem for for mm -hmm. people as you age so yes. how'd you attack it? Yeah, well, you know, there's there's layers to the problem too, Jim, that I think, you know, we want to talk about as we talk about how you attack it. And, you know, a lot of the layers are, they they stem from what you do during the day. Mm -hmm. you're, you're in all of your behavior from the time you get <laughs> out of bed, from the time you go back to bed, those things influence sleep. And, you know, without spending hours and hours on it, you know, some of the keys are, um, you know, how much are you moving during the day? You know, if, if you're if you're sedentary, 
you're not exhausting yourself and your body's not asking for sleep. So that's a big one right there, you know, exercise and movement. Uh, what are you putting into your body is a huge one, you know, because there's especially later at night, you know, and going back to movement, you, you want to be really careful about, you know, when you're moving because there are there is a time you want to start telling your body to settle down. So, you know, at the right time of night, you want to start creating more of a sleep atmosphere. What You, you know, what you do uh, where you sleep is a big factor. You know, a lot of people have TVs in their bedroom and they watch TV. And, um, you know, that's that's not good. You know, they, you read any sleep expert in the world, they'll tell you that your bedroom's for two things, and that's mm-hmm. for sleep and for sex. That's right. So, you know, I think for me, a lot of it is what you do during the day. And I think we're going to dig into it more. But, um, you know, the hugest thing for me is is what I put into my body. Okay. Now, I'm going to challenge you on this because I know you. And Mm -hmm. I I know darn well that you like to have a glass of wine at night. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I know that if I drink a glass of wine after dinner, it impacts my sleep. Yes, it, w- it will. Yeah, and Jim, you know, I know one thing I want to say, and I know I'm, I'm sure you say this in what you write and in all your coaching that, you know, the disclaimer is, you know, we're not giving medical advice here. You know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, I can tell you that I have read uh, in uh, medical journals, I have read where they say alcohol uh, can inhibit your sleep. So for me, and, and that w- this is where I know you preach this too, we have to get to a place where we find out what's right for us. Mm-hmm. So for me, I find that I can have a glass or two of wine at night, and if I, if I shut that down in plenty of time, then it doesn't interfere with my sleep, other than the fact that I do get up to go to the bathroom. But, yeah. you know, again, when, when you're approaching 60 or if you're in your 60s, a doctor will tell you that that's very common no matter what you're drinking. Yeah, that's um, – uh, I don't mean to but, interrupt. But I, yeah. No, that's okay. But but let me tell you, I, I agree with you. It's an interesting experiment I did. I have a friend who lives down the road from me, and my wife and I go down, and they see we see him and his wife, and we'll have a glass of bourbon, and we'll watch mm-hmm. Ted Lasso. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really enjoyable evening. And sometimes that might turn into a glass or two of bourbon. Sure. What I used to do, because, you know, I, I kind of get the munchies if I have something to drink, is I would, like, scarf down a couple uh, M&Ms, piece of cheese, whatever. And I would find when I came back from those nights that about 2 in the morning I would wake up and I'd be overheated, like I'd be hot. Because mm-hmm. my body was... At work, like digesting all that crap. So what I did the last few times that I went up there is I just abstained from eating anything. But I would have a couple glasses of bourbon, and guess what? I slept fine. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're creating your own little hack there, which I I think works. for. And again, it just goes back to talking about what's right for the individual. Uh, I do not – one of the things I do not do that's very much like you is – I don't eat uh, at late at night. I mean, we, we typically have dinner, you know, in the six o'clock hour. And when when dinner's over, I don't eat. Now, I, again, as I said, I will have that glass of wine, sometimes two, but that's typically finished, you know, in the nine o'clock hour and, and I go to bed in the 10 o'clock hour. So I feel like mm-hmm. at that point in time, you know, and I, I you know, I've typically gone to the bathroom before I've gone to bed. So maybe I'm only going to get up one time instead of multiple times. And those things that what you do again, you know, going back to behavior mm-hmm. you, know, you talk about eating and drinking at night, that will certainly interfere with your sleep. So, you know, if I'm, if I have like you, if I'm out with friends or if I'm up late, you know, we talk, go circling back to football. If there's a football game at night, I tend to mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah. And then I might, I might find that I'm finishing my last glass of wine close to 11 o'clock when that game's over. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'll, I might get up a couple of times at night. So that's a big one for me because, you know, you, that interferes with your sleep. Even if you're in bed for, let's say, a, a total of eight hours, which is pretty good, if you're interrupting your sleep by getting up multiple times to go to the bathroom, you're not getting good rest. No. Okay. 
one thing that you said earlier that's really important is you talked about how, you know, we're not doctors. Right. Not, not trying to be doctors. We're not trying to play one on this podcast. The thing that's cool about sleep, and I mean really cool about sleep, is unlike diet or unlike exercise, there's strong medical consensus on what you need to do. You're, oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you could, if you research sleep, you're going to find that you're reading very much the same thing over and over and over, which is awesome. So the other consensus is, is on how important it is. There's only one thing that there is some debate on, and that's napping, which I used to do. But after I visited my sleep doctor at Ohio State, I have cut out of my routine, and it's helped. But I will tell you, Mr. Barnes, I'm not getting quite enough sleep. I am averaging about six and a half hours a night, and I just have this tendency to wake up at about 5.30 in the morning, and I would like to sleep until 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, I was going to say you're, you're about, you're, you're 60 to 90 minutes short of what you should be. I know. And I, at, it, at our age. And know, I just, I just wake up. I mean, I just, it's not like right. I'm attempting yeah. to or anything. I, I just get up. Now, here's a couple things that I have done, which have been game changing for me. And then I want you to evaluate your solutions here momentarily. Mm-hmm. But I know you're going to back these up. When I get up in the morning, I get out of bed. And I also go get my dog, and I start moving, I start walking, I start stretching, I do a little workout, do whatever. I get up, and I get moving. And then the other thing that I do is if I have a time in the evening when I wake up to use the restroom, or I just wake up from an intense dream or whatever, I'll give myself about 15 minutes. If I'm not back asleep by then, I get out of bed. Now, I didn't come up with this stuff. This, this, was, this was the instructions that came from my uh, sleep doctor at Ohio State. Uh, I, I talked about this in the introduction. He referenced me to the Veterans Administration Insomnia Coach uh, app, which I've used. This is what comes from them. It's worked for me. It, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sleeping better. Yeah, well, again, and as, as you said, I'm going to agree with pretty much everything you said. I am, I am not very good at getting out of bed in the middle of the night when I'm awake, and it is something that I, I, I want to try, start trying, because there are those times when I just wake up and it's, you know, it's two, three o'clock in the morning and your mind starts racing. And I'm like you, I say, I'm going to, I'm going to try and slow things down and meditate myself back to sleep. But then if I don't, you know, sometimes I'll just lay there or I'll grab my phone and I'll start <laughs> reading. And, you know, that's just, that doesn't work. That's the worst thing you can yeah. do. So, yeah, I agree with you. And I've been told the same thing actually by my neurologist because, you know, we talk a lot about sleep, as I said earlier, because I have epilepsy. So I see a neurologist regularly and, you know, sleep is a big one. Mm-hmm. So we, we talk about these very things. And interestingly, she told me, I used to nap all the time, Jim. Yeah, yeah. She told me flat out as straight as you can give advice yeah. from a doctor, do not nap. Now oh, again, gosh, that, I miss it. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it, and I won't. It's I'm Nirvana. Not, it's freaking Nirvana yeah, in the middle of the day. I'm not yeah. going to say I never do. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you, when I do is typically when I've had a, a rough night. On, uh-huh. on a rare occasion when I haven't slept well, when I've gotten, I typically get eight hours. So when I'm less than eight hours, if I have a rough night or I wake up early or I toss and turn, uh, I will take that nap. But I'll tell you the one thing that the experts will say, and my neurologist told me, she said, if you absolutely have to nap, keep it to 15 minutes or less. Mm -hmm. She said, to the point of setting an alarm, she said, do not go past 15 minutes because that interrupts your, your sleep cycle and your whole circadian rhythm. And, you know, I don't want to get too technical with all of that, but uh, if you do that, that's what that does is it interferes with your next night of sleep as well. And you, you can create a really rough cycle. You know, I, I think one other thing uh, that's really important is if the Cleveland Browns 
are playing on Sunday night football or Monday night football, you're probably not going to have the greatest night's sleep, regardless of whether they win or lose, because that's a really stimulating thing. Absolutely, yeah. If, and if as, of, if, if as of this recording, Jim, <laughs> we've got a game coming up. Uh, well, they have a Saturday, Saturday evening game, yeah. not night. So. Okay. Well, Hopefully we'll still have enough time to See how we're retired. We don't care about Saturday. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it could be Wednesday. We don't care. Exactly. But, but here's the thing. I remember that you and I used to talk about the fact that, you know, we share television shows we like. And there's certain shows that tend to calm me down. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned The Big Bang Theory. That's one. Mm-hmm. But another one, Shit's Creek. If I watch Schitt's Creek, it is like your glass of wine. It just mellows me out. So, yeah, not, so not only do you have to uh, be careful of screen time, but you also have to be careful about you know what you're consuming. And if you're consuming something that's getting you all riled up, then you know watch something else for crying out loud. Yeah, and and that's that's uh, so true, and I'm the same way, uh, and and I've actually heard this from sleep doctors as well, mm-hmm. have said uh, precisely what you did that you really need to be careful of what you watch, right. and if you watch if you watch heavy things, things that you go to bed and you're replaying it or disturbing things, you know, we, there's a lot of disturbing things on TV that are still entertaining, you know, I mean if mm-hmm. you. It, it, you know, if you watch... Watching a, the Browns play. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if you're watching any of the, the crime dramas, the yeah. CIS, those kinds of things, they can be disturbing, too. And, and you're thinking of that when you're going to mm-hmm. bed and you're, you're not calmed down. I'm with you. Shit's Creek's one for me, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wholesome, relaxing show. And I try to end my night with that kind of stuff. This is one thing that's really interesting. Um, do you use a Fitbit or anything like that that tracks your sleep? Yeah, I use. Well, I don't use Fitbit, but I use the Health app on my iPhone. Okay. I, you know, disclaimer: it, it is not as impactful as wearing a, a some sort of a watch. Okay. Because basically, what it measures is when you put your device down and then when you pick it up again. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But uh, but I also use it for tracking my steps and all that. Okay. So, so here's one thing that's really interesting is while there's strong consensus on sleep, you know, there, there's a little debate on napping. I, I've read some, some different sources on that. There, are, there is all this technology that's coming out. And when I talked to my sleep doctor, he said, you know, we just don't know enough about some of this stuff to know if it works or not. And so one of them is, uh, you know, how accurate is your Fitbit, which a lot of people have, which which tells you, like, sleep cycles, you know, deep sleep, REM sleep, light sleep, all that. And it's kind of fascinating to sit and look at that. And um, he said, well, we're not quite sure. We have a hard time believing that you can get that much data just from your wrist. But, you know, it, it might be more accurate than we realize. The other thing is uh, the blue blocking glasses, which I have a pair. You know, look kind of funky. You got these orange glasses on, you know, knocks down the uh, the blue light from screens and you know, fools your body into thinking you're mellowing out for the night. All that stuff, they say that there needs to be more research on. So what he told me was, hey, if it if you use it and it helps you, keep using it. <laughs> Which which I yeah I, I kind of like that that uh, answer. Yeah, I, I do too because I think it's a it's a little bit of an uh, of a theme here in our conversation is that you have to find things that work for you, you know, and mm-hmm. and there is there's very little universal agreement when it comes to sleep, when it comes to fitness, diet, you know. There's a lot of I, I think all the experts tend to merge on certain things. Right. They're all going to say sleep's important. Sleep reduces stress. It it revitalizes you. It's good for cellular health. All of those things, um, but you know how to go about it. They're going to differ. Everyone's going to tell you you should largely have a plant based diet. But then you've got every fad diet in the world, and some are going to say it works, and some are going to say it doesn't. 
But I think, again, ultimately, they'll all say you got to do what works for you. So, yeah, if you have a device, that's the one thing about something like a Fitbit or even using the app on your phone. The key behind that is it's helping, it's encouraging you to monitor Mm -hmm. your health, your Mm -hmm. sleep. And I think if you're doing that, that's a huge step in the right direction because I didn't use to do that. You know, I didn't use to to do any of those things. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, once I started, it's just like goal setting. You know, they say write down your goals. Well, you know, if you have something that is monitoring steps, sleep, food, uh, that's that's a huge help for you. Hey, we we always laugh about this. This is a classic example of a first world problem. <laughs> it's like, yes. what's wrong? I got I only got like six hours of sleep last night. My sleep yep. score sucks on my Fitbit. Those are the kind of things that that just upset our apple carts. <laughs> yeah, all right. I get so, enough steps. Yeah. So, so here here's I got two more questions for you. So if you if you think about where you were in terms of sleep. Mm-hmm. And where you are now, this is a twofold question. What was the most impactful change that you made? Threefold question. How did that, how did that change impact you, like in a positive way? And then, what do you need to tweak? Uh, well, that's that's really good. Uh, the the first one is is diet, and, and I don't mean like diet in the sense we typically think of, but I mean in as in terms of what you put into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't follow any particular diet, but what I did uh, just in the recent few years, Jim, is I dramatically changed how I eat. So, you know, and it's a lot of the classic stuff that I'm sure your listeners know about already. You know, it, it's it's cut out a lot of the carbs, the, the unhealthy, refined yeah, right. carbs, the fast food, the sugars, um, and and uh, watch when you eat. Uh, so I stop snacking completely. And again, people have to find what's going to work for them. But for me, uh, you know, I eat salads probably six to ten meals a week. I'm having a salad. Uh, I very rarely eat any kind of fast food. Um, you know, I don't eat refined carbs. Um, the the sugar that I have is natural from fruits, yeah. and then a little bit of wine at night. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that that change was just dynamic for me. And you lost lost weight. life changing. And you lost weight. How much weight did you lose? Over the course of a year, I lost about 23 pounds. I think that's got to have a big impact too, man. Well, it does. You know, I mean, you you know, you carrying around extra weight and I, you know, it's not like I was a huge guy, but you know, I'm, I'm nearly six feet tall and I was up at, at about 197 or eight. Yeah. You know, and I mean, the doctor would say, you know, you could you could lose some pounds. I mean, she would tell me all the time, you know what, it, it, you know, you're certainly not in the obese range, but you could lose some pounds. I bet she says then, that on a daily. I bet she says that a lot. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Well, now, you know, yeah. then since then, since I had my last physical, you know, she was pretty impressed. You know? <laughs> and she she was asking like you. She said, wow, what did you do? You should have put so, that on your dating app. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Down 20 pounds. I sleep great, man. And this uh, is how I do it. So, yeah. So, But but that's a big one for me. And I'll tell you, and, and you know, I'm sure in other episodes you'll get into to how you eat and all. But So I won't dig too deep into it. But I will tell your listeners that it's not a it, it's not a dramatic lifestyle change. You know, it sounds like it is. But for me. It was just cutting out a lot of simple things. You know, for one, I always thought that I was already eating sort of healthy. Yeah, so everybody I would have, does. I would have a lot of, you know, a, a lot of those things you see promoted for health, like breakfast bars, you know, cereal. yes. Um, you just, know, protein bars, yes. things like that. And, and it turns out those aren't really good for you. Full you of know, sugar. They're packed with the sugars and the yeah. refined carbs. And they're, and they're not as dense with, with fiber and all of the nutrients that you need. What I did is I just started reading a lot and, and learning, you know, people like you who, who are knowledgeable. I was going to those sources, and I thought, oh, okay, I, I can change this. And those changes have been just really huge for me. Uh-huh. So the, the result is, first of all, the weight. That's uh-huh. the second question, I think, right, was the most impactful result. Well, um, no, like, like how, how, how has improving your sleep impacted you? Oh, that, that's, I mean, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about it, 
the the biggest thing for me is energy and oh, you know yeah. i used to complain yes. i used to complain a lot about that to my doctor you know when you're going in for your yearly physical and you get you know you get 100 questions before she even listens to your heartbeat yeah you know and, and the but you know it's all about your routines and your behavior and your complaints and that was my biggest one was you know that i don't i feel like i'm tired fatigue was a big one i said it's hard for me you know well what kind of exercise do you do well i wasn't doing very much and i said you know i just don't find time and i'm tired and when i want to do something i i do less of it because i i tire quickly well a lot of that not only was diet but it also then came back to sleep so now you know averaging eight hours of of pretty good sleep a night you're you're a beast man yeah you're sleeping beast. That's awesome. I'm so jealous. The energy is huge. I get up in the morning, uh, and I do a lot of the other things you said. Getting up out of bed right away, moving right away, mm-hmm. feel better. I'm I'm thrilled to jump up and to do some exercise and to get out for a walk and all that because I feel good. You know, my family notices. Okay, oh, Mark, that, my, I, I, I'm gonna stop you right there. What you just said, my family notices. Now. I'm going to call it something else because everything you just said, I'm sitting here nodding my head. When I sleep well, all those things occur. But I'm not going to call it energy. I'm happier. Yes, that's a, that's a great word. Absolutely. And, you know, when, when Papa's happy, you know, Papa ain't happy, nobody ain't happy. So, so like, I, when I sleep better, I'm not going to use the word energy because that's a little fuzzy. Right. I'm happier. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I happy you know, that's what we're after, right? I mean happiness is isn't yeah. that the ultimate goal? That's why you have two glasses of wine every night. <laughs> that, that's it's like I like the one or two. <laughs> right. Uh, mostly two. But, so what but yeah, happiness, energy, all of that, that that's that's important. And and you know, the other thing I'll say the benefit is is that I mentioned earlier is focus. Yeah. Uh, I, I find that I'm much more efficient when I'm working. I'm I'm less distracted, mm-hmm. and when you're less distracted and you're focused, you your work is more productive. You know, you can actually spend less time and do more when you're focused and you feel good about your work. Okay, perfect. Now, what? I guess goes back to my question: What tweak? What's something you're going to change? I, I think I mentioned this as well um, uh, as something that, you know, following up with what you were saying about the idea of when you wake up and you can't go back to mm-hmm. sleep, that the best thing to do is to actually get out of bed for a while. Yeah. And and, and the thing about so that. So counterintuitive. Is, it is, but mm-hmm. it, it goes back to a couple of things. And one of those is that the experts, and I, I mentioned this, they say, you know, your, your bed is, is only for two things. That's right. And, and you actually train your body and your brain to know that your bedroom, is, you know, when I go to bed, I'm going there to sleep. So you actually train your mind that when you do that, when you do those things, when you darken your room, when you settle yourself at night, you get into your bed, your brain immediately starts thinking, okay, it's time to sleep. When you lie awake at night and you you don't get up and you grab your phone and you start reading social media and things like that, then you're immediately, you know, counteracting what you've been training your brain. Now, suddenly I'm not in bed for sleep. So that's one of the things I'm going to work harder on. And and I hope I don't have to do it much because I feel like I sleep pretty well. Okay. But but when I don't get up and and do something calming, you know, you don't get up and, you know, go for a jog. You get up and. And you you do a very quiet, calming activity. Well, that's that's what I want to talk about because I have set up a little cocoon for this instance, which I've used maybe once a week. When that happens, I go out and have a gas fireplace. I flip that baby on because you don't want light. You don't want your brain to start thinking it's daylight. Absolutely. And then I just have a, a non-backlit old Kindle reader and there's a certain book I read which just is enjoyable it's it, I, it's not stimulating it's just kind of relaxing and I always make sure I have a insomnia book going at, at 
at every time. And then when I finish that, I find another insomnia book. So I'm going to challenge you, Mr. Barnes. I want you to build an insomnia cocoon. Find a place in your house where you go when you're not sleeping that's, that's very calming and go there every time. Yeah, I like that. And I like the fireplace idea because I have one of those. Same well, way. Heck yeah, man. You, you, lights up. You, you feel like out. you're in the cave. Right. And, and read that calming book. Yeah. Okay, so what's one piece of advice for somebody that, that you know, they want to sleep better? A listener, they want to sleep better. Mr. Barnes, it's like we're all fellow travelers in here. We're not experts on this. We're on the path together. But we've been on this path for a while. Uh, lay it on them. Well, the, the very first thing I would tell anyone is uh, think about what you're eating and drinking yeah. during the no, number one. And honestly, I mean, that could be an answer for almost anything fitness and health related is yeah. stress related sleep. All of it is, you know, when, when you cut back on the bad stuff and I, you know, it sounds like a broken record. We hear it all the time. Um, but I would take a crack at that, you know, mm-hmm. stay away from the stimulants at night. You know, if it's a if it's your bourbon or your wine, <laughs> do it before, hours before you're going to go to bed. But stay away from the caffeine, from the yeah. sugars, from the heavy meals. You you mentioned earlier, you know, when you're eating stuff like that and your body is digesting, uh, that's that's a hard way to sleep. No what you you really want to go to sleep hungry. Yeah, uh, that that's a really important one. So. You know, those are hard. A lot of those are hard changes for people. So I would say, you know, the other thing is pick pick something that, you know, you can do. If mm-hmm. you find that if you drink caffeine at night, say, OK, for the next week, I'm going to cut that out. You know, if you're if you're, uh, you know, and move, you know, mm-hmm. make, make yourself tired. You get yourself tired by moving, moving throughout the day. Don't don't be sedentary. OK, and here's my one piece of advice on top of that. Don't try too hard, because <laughs> if you if you put too much effort into it, it's counterproductive. Take a Taoist approach; just kind of go with it, baby. Yeah, at at most things, health and fitness related, Jim. That's a that's such powerful advice. Yeah. You know, they the the people that I read, whose opinions I value, the the true experts, they say, um, diet. For example, diets don't work. No, no diet works. What a diet will do is it can help you lose weight, but it's not a lifestyle change. And it's hard, mm-hmm. you know. If I, if I told everybody, don't, you know, don't ever eat any refined carbs, they'd be like, well, I can't do that. I like pizza, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know you like pizza. Heck yes, I do. So, so you know, eat, eat healthy uh, most of the days and, and, you know, take some breaks and, and eat your pizza or whatever you like. But, I, I think in small pieces, mm-hmm. you, you try and make small changes over time. You know, over it took me a year. You know, a lot of people would say they lost 20 pounds in a month or two with some radical change. Mm-hmm. And then who knows, maybe a few months later they put that weight back on because it was a radical change. Right. What I, what I did was I eased into a lifestyle change. Very good, man. Hey, I'll tell you what. Um, this has been wonderful. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you, my friend. I'm sure that both of us tonight are going to go to bed so full of hubris (laughs) that our sleep's going to (laughs) suck. So Uh, I want you to get off the phone and build that freaking cocoon. You're probably going to need it tonight. I I, I hope I don't need it, but I'm going to build it. I'm going to take that challenge. I I, I trust you. And and this this is definitely like – kind of an interesting thing so we went from man caves to uh insomnia cocoons maybe i should like trademark that that's pretty solid that's a that's a, that's a sure sign of aging insomnia <laughs> cocoon right. Jim, right, as but... always man it's a pleasure and, and you're giving marvelous advice and you're you know this is uh something everybody needs so how uh, i hope your listeners keep coming back and yeah. keep coming to you for advice because you've got the good stuff well, and, and if it, if it, if this episode put anybody to sleep, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, my friend, take care. So here we are in the "What You Can Do About It" section, and in the intro, I stated that there's scientific consensus on sleep. I know this because of the research that I've done and personal experience. I'm a patient at the Ohio State University Sleep Disorders Center. 
I was thrilled to learn that my sleep doctor's advice confirmed what I'd learned through investigation. Here's some suggestions. Learn about the importance of sleep and how you can improve it from Matt Walker, a renowned sleep expert. There's a link on the episode page to his popular TED Talk, Why Sleep is Your Superpower. Schedule a visit with a sleep doctor. You know, they they can tell you if you're suffering from sleep apnea. They can give you great advice like mine did. Improve your sleep hygiene. On the episode page, there's a link to a list of directives from the Centers for Disease Control. Download the Insomnia Coach app from the Veterans Administration. This was a game changer to me. This has done more to improve my sleep than anything. And this was a direct recommendation from my sleep doctor at Ohio State. This was the key change I had to make. This next bullet, this next directive. If you're in bed and not asleep for 15 minutes, get up. If you woke up at 3.30 and it's 3.45, go somewhere comfortable, do some reading, do something calming. In the episode, I called it the insomnia cocoon. And then finally, and this is a tough one, don't nap. This was so hard for me to embrace because I love an afternoon nap. But the truth of the matter is there's more folks who are very knowledgeable who say that that's detrimental. There's some debate. But there's more folks say it's detrimental, and so I'm going with that, and it seems to have helped. If you start sleeping better, you'll start feeling better. It's one of the best things you can do for your health. And you'll look a lot fresher each morning. <laughs> Please keep reclaiming your vitality. Thanks for listening, and please visit us at theretiredteachercoach.com. Listen to every episode of the Retired Teacher Coach podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Goodbye for now.